Jepang. Good moment, America. How are you? My name is Terry Wilkerson. This is the Terry Wilkerson Show, and thank you as always for joining one man as he takes a look at. Okay, strike that going at one minute. Good moment, America. How are you? My name is Terry. This is the Terry Wilkerson Show. And I am just an ordinary man taking a look at an extraordinary world. Thank you, as always, for joining me. Last week, we weren't here. We had a very special two-part episode, or our very first and second episodes of the original version of this podcast, The Major Malfunction. Hope everybody enjoyed that. It was kind of fun putting that one back together. And actually going back and listening to the original idea behind this podcast and the way I used to do things, which, as I've said before, was simply a phone and a pair of iPhone headphones in my living room. So the weekend the weekend was uh, really nice. It was good to get away. It was good to get back to my old hometown. Every once in a while, I have to go back there. And it's funny because before I get into that, before I get into that, as always, if you're joining me on the show, go ahead and you know fire up your bowl, pack yourself a lip, open up a beer, whatever you do to kick back, sit back, relax, and enjoy. Now, let's get at it. It's funny because as I'm driving up to West Reading, Pennsylvania, I made the comment to my beautiful fiance that... It still strikes me as odd that I, when I left Reading in 2014, early 2014, I left, the way I put it, like a man making a jailbreak. I couldn't wait to get the hell out of there. And now I find myself going back there to relax and reset it at every opportunity. And I think part of it is because most of the people that I knew uh, from that area, most of the people I knew that were both good and bad influences on me are long gone. It's essentially a whole new town in terms of my own little circle. I'm sure there's still people, as a matter of fact, I know there's still people I know that live in that area, but there's no immediate interaction with them the way it used to be. So I think the the pressure of being who I was at that point in time is gone. Because the people who I interacted with, for the most part, are gone. And the ones who were still left that I did interact with, I interacted with minimally. So there's no... I, I guess what I'm trying to say there is the me that existed in that area from roughly 1996 to 2011, that me doesn't exist anymore. So when I go up there, when I go... I, I can enjoy that town as it is, with the knowledge that I have of what it used to be, but without the baggage of who I used to be and, and the people that I used to have around me. I hope that makes sense to you. But it's funny to me that I left there in such a hurry, I keep going back, and the what makes it even more bizarre is if you go about another 40 minutes north to north northwestern I guess it is Berks County might be northeastern I'm, I'm terrible with if I don't have a map in front of me I can't do directions but 
I, I can find my way out of the woods, let me tell you that. I can do the old watch compass thing, the stick shadow compass. I just, when I'm trying to think about it, I have a hard time remembering where things are on a map. But give me a map and I'm perfectly fine. But the town that I lived in when I first moved to Pennsylvania, a little town called Charlottesville, in the middle of nowhere. As a matter of fact, I think it's eight miles away from nowhere. You have to turn off from interstate nowhere at exit nothing to get there. I miss that town even more than I ever thought I would. And that's an even more bizarre set of circumstances because this is a sleepy little town. I mean, this was when I lived there, this was a one-cop town. You all know that type of town. It's a farming town. We, of course, we were all teenagers. We couldn't wait to get the hell out and get to wherever it was we were going to end up. And it's funny because, and I, I have a friend who still does live in that town. And, um, man, he, he doesn't realize, I don't think, at times, I'm not saying anything untoward. I'm just saying I, at times I don't think he realizes how great he has it out there. Because it's quiet. It's out of the way. Nobody bothers anybody. I mean, it's kind of hard to have a high crime rate when you have more cows than you do people by an exponent. We're not talking like double. We're talking exponents. And I miss that town. And I wish I wish there was a way I could go back there. And I wish there was a way I could go back to what things used to be. But that's something we all do. Whether we want to admit it or not. We all live in a perpetual state of nostalgia. And that's kind of why I find myself going back there so often. Is I need that little shot of nostalgia. Now for those of you who have never actually studied the subject. First of all you're lucky because it on the surface seems incredibly boring but nostalgia comes in actually two varieties there's what's known as reflective and then there's what's known as restorative now the reflective idea of nostalgia is basically oh those are really good times i remember that that was cool all right now back to my daily grind whereas the restorative style of nostalgia is I want to live every day as though it were back then. Now, restorative nostalgia can be beneficial. I mean, I'm one of those people who spends a lot of time learning about the old-fashioned ways of doing things. The pioneer methods, the old ways. That's a restorative nostalgia to an extent, and it's a beneficial version of restorative nostalgia. Because that can actually... Those skills can actually help me in the impending shit-hits-the-fan scenario. They can and they will. Whereas other people look at restorative, look at a situation, they apply restorative nostalgia, and it becomes, well, I want to live the way I did when I was 14, 15, 16, 17. Even though now I'm 55 and I have, you know, I have a lot of responsibilities. I have a house, I have a mortgage, I have children, grandchildren on the way. I have a car payment. When you apply restorative nostalgia in that respect, then it's obviously far, far less uh, innocuous than if you were to simply look at a situation of your past and go, that was fun, now it's time to move on. I get to, when I take these trips up there, we usually end up taking a walk somewhere where I've previously fished or hiked or on an occasion or two slept 
And it's nice to have that familiarity. I think that's something that we all have in common as human beings. We require a little bit of familiarity in our lives. And that's what I get out of that. And the best part of all is I get to go back and have this nostalgic feeling and have this feeling of familiarity, this feeling of home that I haven't, in terms of a neighborhood and being part of an area, I haven't felt that in a long time. But it's nice to be able to go back and do this and share this now with my fiance. It's nice to be able to go back and eat in the same places that I used to eat and hang out in the same places I used to hang out and go on the same walking trails that I used to and doing it with a person who appreciates being a part of it. And I think that's the coolest part out of all of it. But it was very nice, nice relaxing weekend. You know, watched a little Duck Dynasty. Um, played Guess Who for the first time. Can you imagine? I, I'm 46 years old and I never played Guess Who. It's actually a pretty fun game. And <laughs> um, had some really, really good uh, a hoagie, of all things. A hoagie from a Redner's grocery store was insanely good. I was stunned. I was stunned. We go to Redner's every time we're up there because they have this, it's like a five, not five pound, it's like a three foot, it's a, it's a meter, a yard of popcorn for like three ninety nine, And you can live off of that. But it's just cool to be able to do all this stuff with somebody who truly appreciates it. And it's fun being able to transfer my knowledge of, of an area and of the life in that area onto somebody else and see them experience it for the first time. Just really cool. So, America, what's been going on in your life? I hope that uh, week, the Wilkerson-less weekend, if I may steal from Andrew Clavin, I hope it was good for you. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, I know there's a lot of pretty deep shit coming up in the next couple of days. As we're recording, the midterms are just days away. We're recording this on Saturday, and of course the midterms are on Tuesday, but all across the country, they have been going on for quite some time. The early balloting, the early mail-in balloting, and you guys all know how I feel about mail-in balloting and early balloting. It's um, it, it's a tragedy that this is the way we have begun to approach our elections in this country. It's disgusting, and it's dangerous. It sets a dangerous precedent. Look, I've said this a thousand times before. I'm going to say it a thousand times again. I don't believe that the red wave that everybody anticipates is coming is actually coming, but not because I don't think that the American populace writ large don't want this red wave. But the Democrat strongholds, the Democrat-controlled cities and, and the Democrat-controlled media don't want it, and they're not going to allow it to happen. That's my biggest fear. It has nothing to do with the actual voting patterns that are going on out there. It has to do with the fact that we watched the 2020 election get stolen right out from under our eyes. And we did nothing. And of course we have this jackass rhino, Dan Crenshaw, coming out and saying, Oh yeah, we all knew it was fake from the beginning. It's funny how these politicians like Liz Cheney, Dan Crenshaw, Madison Cawthorn, 
they pretend to be a certain level. They pretend to be a Republican or they pretend to be independent or they pretend to be libertarian. But the entire time, they're hiding the fact that all they are are money and power hungry politicians. And these are the ones that we keep electing. And as long as we keep electing the Dan Crenshaws and the Liz Cheneys and the the AOCs and the Chuck Schumers, and I realize we went in the opposite direction, but hey, they I really see no difference. I see no difference whatsoever between a Dan Crenshaw, a Madison, Madison Cawthorn, and a Nancy Pelosi. I see none. So... That election is coming up, and hopefully, if you're going to go out and you're going to vote, I'm not. I've said that a thousand times. If you're going to go out and you're going to vote, I hope like hell your vote is counted. I hope you aren't just thrown in the trash bin along with my vote from 2020. Stand up for it. If you are in an area where you can verify and certify that your vote has been counted and you can be a part of the process, then go ahead and do it. If you still believe, that's great. That That's on you. That's the great thing about the individual mindset is whatever you think works for you, go do. I'm not going to be a part of it anymore because I see what it, I see the effect that it had on me. And I refuse to be a part of that. So when this election comes up, um, I'm going to try not to be too pissed off. I hope most of you will try not to be too pissed off. But I think we all kind of, we see the writing on the wall. And America, I I just can't sit here and pretend to be this upbeat news personality or, or, or this upbeat, positive just person. I can't. I can't do it. I've tried yeah, everybody says you, you are what you think. Your mindset determines your reality or your mentality determines your reality. And I've always lived in a world where no, actually, you know, reality determines reality. We're not necessarily as a country going under, but I don't like where we're going. And I am at a point where I think we, each one of us individually has to make a decision about where we, each one of us individually, are going to stand when shit hits the fan. See, the way I look at things has always been a little bit on the pessimistic side. And I've never lied about that. I've always tried to claim, I've always tried to believe, for that matter, that I'm more of a pragmatist, that I believe in practical circumstances. For example, in the aforementioned example, with the election, well, I believe with all my heart and soul and with all the evidence I can muster that my vote was not counted. It was stolen. So the practical consequence to me is, well, that I'm just not going to waste my time. I'm not going to waste my effort. I stood in front of a school that was illegally plastered with Joe Biden for president paraphernalia, a school that was being used for an election site. I stood there at 6 o'clock in the morning, surrounded by hundreds of rabid, not Biden voters, anti-Trump voters. I was given the wrong district to vote in. 
intentionally, I firmly believe. And on top of all this, I saw my vote go through the machine. The, the guy next to me who was wearing the Joe Biden for president sticker on his jacket in a polling place, which I believe is supposed to be illegal, his ballot mysteriously didn't get ejected behind the machine the way mine did. The practical consequence of this is I'm not going to waste my time. Well, if you don't vote, then you can't complain about it. Well, I've thought that for a long time. And then years ago, I met a guy by the name of Carl. I won't use his last name. But Carl explained to me why he has never voted in his life. And Carl, at this point, was in his late 50s. So, unfortunately, by now, he has to have passed on. He, had, he was in ill health then. He explained to me why he didn't vote. And the, the gist of it was that... Well, first of all, he didn't feel you should have to have an ID to vote. That's one thing he and I disagreed on vehemently. But he also believed that if you voted continuously for the same propositions or the same side of the political spectrum, you had no right to complain when they failed. If you stayed out of the process, you had the opportunity to basically bitch out everybody that you want. And it took me until the past, oh, I don't know, maybe eight to nine months to realize he had a point there. So I don't look at things as a pessimist. I don't look at them, sure as hell don't look at them as an optimist. I try to look at things as a pragmatist. And practically speaking, this upcoming midterm, I expect it to disappoint me. I expect to wake up weeks later because we've already been told that they are not going to have the vote tallies prepared on election day i kind of thought that's what election day was for so i expect it to let me down days perhaps even weeks later i expect to find out that not only did the democrats hold the house and hold the senate but mysteriously gain seats in both even though I know that the red wave, if things were legitimate, the red wave would be very, very real. That's not pessimistic. That's realistic. That's looking at the world that they've given us and reacting to it. See, I do have a certain level of cynicism. I admit that. But I think you have to embrace your cynicism. I think you have to accept cynicism as a part of your reality. Because if you spend your entire life with your head in the clouds, first of all, if you can do that, if you can spend your entire life thinking the best of everybody, you know what? I wish you the best of luck. God love you. I can't do it. Because I have a certain expectation. And I need the, wor I, I need the world to live up to my expectations. That's the truth. You know? It's not a matter of, I need to live up to the world's expectations. No, I need the fucking world to step up and live to my expectations. I need the world to start doing things the way I want them done. And I'm not going to accept anything less. Well, well Mr. Individual wants everybody to live his way. No, 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 no. It's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, I need for the entire world 
to stop blaming each other. I need the entire world to stop the bullshit and start living in reality. You don't have the right, whether you're some dude in fucking Saudi Arabia or whether you're my neighbor, you don't have the right to want to rebuild the entire world in your image simply because you want it to be. When I say I need the world to live up to my expectations, I'm saying I need the world to understand we need to leave each other the fuck alone. And if that is a hypocrisy in and of itself, if wanting to get everybody to understand, hey, maybe we should just shut the fuck up and leave everybody alone and let everybody do what they want to do, whether they want to be straight edge or whether they want to be a crackhead, whether they want to drink a light beer or a white claw, both of those are really not acceptable. So that's a terrible, terrible example. But, you know, whether they want to drive a Chevy or a Ford, it's fine. If they want to be Republican or Democrat, it's fine. If they want to be a Yankees fan or a Giants fan, it's fine. If they want to do anything except, obviously, for the big ones, you know, you can't kill anybody and you can't fuck around with little kids. If the world just stopped the bullshit and started living by my expectation, which is, hey, everybody leave each other the fuck alone and every once in a while if you want to grab a beer, I'm right here, let's go shoot some pool then the world would be better off. And if that's hypocrisy, if wanting everybody to just leave each other the fuck alone is hypocrisy, then call me a giant fucking hypocrite. I'm fine with that. Now, I know you want me to talk about the Paul Pelosi incident. This is what I'm going to say about the so-called attack on Paul Pelosi. It's a false flag. It's a load of bullshit. And I'm already sick and tired of the media narrative that this was some extremist right-wing MAGA Republican who wanted to murder Nancy Pelosi. This is the AOC. I was scared of being sexually assaulted even though I was nowhere near January 6th. This is an extension of that. Paul Pelosi knew his attacker, who, by the way, we now know is an illegal immigrant from Canada, who has been living in the United States on the streets of San Francisco as, I believe he, he makes hemp clothes for a living, I, if I remember correctly. He makes hemp clothes for a living. We know this about him. They, they, well, there's right-wing extremist you know, QAnon stuff on his social media, but they have yet to actually produce this. They just simply say it's there. Talk about an advocation of reality. So Paul Pelosi, Pelosi, Paul Pelosi, Paul Pelosi knew his attacker. He knew David DePapi, DePepi, DePepi, Pepe Le Pew. He knew him. He let him in the house. We now have the, the, uh, excuse me, not the body cam footage. We now have the phone call where he told the police, you know, everything was fine, and then went back toward the Pepe de Pew. Does that sound like somebody who was violently assaulted by a right-wing extremist? Or does that sound like, I don't know, a lover's quarrel? Oh my God, he's getting really, really controversial. I'm not the one who brought it up, okay? I'm not the one who first made the accusation. It's all over the place. 
And the accusations of Paul Pelosi being less than attracted to his wife have existed for years. I'm simply sitting here talking about what the media narrative is and why it's a load of horseshit. The media narrative that he was attacked by an extremist, MAGA, QAnon, blah, blah, blah. It's an absolute load of horseshit. First of all, look at the pictures. The glass in the, the window of the house was broken outward, not inward. You don't break in by splattering glass behind you outside. There's much, much more to this than we're being led to believe. There's much, much more to this than we're being told. It could turn out that Paul Pelosi went to a bar, picked up a gay prostitute, and they ended up in a fight. And you know what? Who gives a fuck if Paul Pelosi is gay? Who gives a fuck if he's bi? Nobody. No one gives a shit about his fucking sexual preference. It's it's actually a little easier for me to stomach the fact that he's gay than to believe that he would actually intentionally sleep with Nancy fucking Pelosi. That's disgusting. Not just that she's, you know, she she's an ugly human being inside and out. Let's just, don't give me that shit. She's an ugly human being inside and out. So if Paul Pelosi were bisexual or gay, that's a hell of a lot easier for me to deal with. And as far as the leftists, oh, horrible human beings talking about Paul Pelosi this way. This was a human life. This was a threat against democracy. How the fuck is a anybody hitting the husband of a Speaker of the House in the head with a hammer? How is that an assault on democracy? Stop with that shit. It's a lie. It's an absolute fucking lie. And we're tired of it. We, the people, are tired of the media narrative trying to tell us exactly what to believe. And the whole Paul Pelosi incident is a great example of why we can't trust the media, why we can't trust politicians, why we can't trust anybody. You want to know why this country has fallen apart? Reason number 493. Because we can't fucking trust anybody. That's why we're where we are. All right, America, let's talk about this week in history. Now, as we're recording this, it is, of course, November the 5th, which should trigger it in almost all of you immediately. Remember, remember the 5th of November. We are, of course, talking about the gunpowder plot. When Guy Fawkes, who was actually probably the least historically important person involved in the gunpowder plot, but Guy Fawkes and a number of other rebels got together to get enough gunpowder and dynamite together to destroy Parliament on the day of its opening. Of course, there was an informant. They were all caught. Fox was arrested, tortured, confessed. And they now, of course, celebrate Guy Fawkes Day with burning a doll of Guy Fawkes in effigy. And, of course, all that went to hell when Guy Fawkes and ultimately V became kind of a symbol of rebellion and a symbol of anti-establishment in the 1980s in the V for Vendetta comic, technically a graphic novel, and then of course later the movie. So as we're recording, that would be the ultimate biggest event of this week in history. But we only talk about American history on this show. So I'm going to invite you, this, I'm not, I don't usually do this, I'm going to invite you to go and look up Charles Van Doren, 
and The Quiz Show 21. There was actually a very good movie, late 1990s, I believe it was, called 21, made about Charles Van Doren. And it was, there was a game show called 21. And Charles Van Doren was a, a winning contestant. He won a lot. He was kind of like the Ken Jennings of his era, but with one major exception. Van Doren was being given the answers prior to the show. This was a massive scandal because of the amount of money that was involved and the fact that he was being given the answers. It was we, we, we were finding out that these shows weren't on the up and up. And it kind of kicked a giant hole in the head of the game show industry, which was a massive industry for American television. Game shows were huge. Game shows were so important back then. And, of course, it wasn't probably till the 70s and 80s that game shows kind of re, uh, rejuvenated themselves and got back to where they were in terms of their place in American television lore. So go look it up. November 2nd, 1959, Charles Van Doren uh, admitted that he was given the answers to the quiz show 21 prior to the tapings. Interesting because it wound up changing, as I said, the course of American television history. And ultimately, it ended up changing the, 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 the way the media... This is one of those watershed moments where it changed the way that the media had to cover certain stories. So go look that one up, Charles Van Doren. November 2nd, 1959, The Game Show 21. So what are we looking at? What are we staring right in the face of right now that's going to be remembered historically? Well, we touched on it earlier. The midterms. That's right. I'm going to bitch about the midterms again. Right after I get myself a nice big pinch of some long cut right here. Long cut straight. Love this shit. There we go. Also out there, if you're... Um... Oh, by the way, I didn't mention this at the very beginning. Um... We've had some pretty serious production issues lately on this show. So, for the time being, what we're going to have to do is we're going back to essentially audio only. There will be a video version of the show on Odyssey and Rumble, as always. But it's basically going to be, you're going to hear the audio version and then just see my face for 45 minutes. And I know how awesome that is. I know how lucky you feel to just see my face for 45 minutes. But I figured I'd let you guys know. Eventually, we'll be able to get back to a video format. But production issues, until they can be completely fixed and until we can be assured that this is going to work, I'm not wasting your time or mine. You can just listen to the podcast. You always, 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 though, go to Rumble, go to Odyssey, look for all of your video content there. Fuck YouTube. I, I had to go on YouTube earlier today, and it was like I had forgotten how to navigate the damn thing. Anyway, so now that you guys all know that, we have our beer, we have our dip. Midterm elections. Midterm elections. How are they going to be historically remembered? Well, it's going to be remembered one of two ways. Either this mythical red wave actually does occur, and these sweeping changes do occur, and we finally get some semblance of sanity and sense in our government. And Biden's stupid fucking uh, college uh, tuition 
Oh my God, I actually forgot the name of the bill. You know, the debt forgiveness, student debt forgiveness. I forget the name of the actual bill. But that finally gets overturned. And then the green raw deal finally gets overturned. Or, as I suspect, there is no red wave. And we get the shaft. And people will look back at the 2022 midterms. And some people will go, see, that was the moment that America declared in unison that they wanted the Democrat way, that they wanted Joe Biden's way. And then there are others who are going to look back and go, that was the moment that America went full-blood socialist. I truly hope like hell that it's not the latter. I, I cannot stomach the idea of living in a socialist dictatorship. And make no mistake, socialist, socialism becomes a dictatorship eventually. Socialism and communism are the same damn thing, and they both require a dictator at the top. It's going to happen one of those two ways. That's what history is going to remember us for this week. And, you know, guys, I really hope like hell when I come back and do the next week's episode that I can open up the show by saying I was wrong. I really do. I don't think I can express how scared we should all be that this midterm is going to end up with you know, they, they're talking about a red wave. Well, I'm terrified that the red wave is the communist wave. That's what that's what we're going to be remembered for. This midterm is going to be the most... Fuck 2020. This is the most important election of our life because now we find out, A, if the voting theft machinery is still in place, and B, whether people have actually fallen for the socialist propaganda or not. That That's what we should be concerned about. All right, we have our big question of the week. As we know, this one is always anonymous. And uh, this week is, well, we're keeping it anonymous, even if even if this particular questioner had given me permission to use their name. I wouldn't, because this is a really sensitive and a really serious question. I'm meeting my boyfriend's parents for the first time. I'm gay, and he's, his parents don't know that he is. I'm kind of scared, and I know who, quote-unquote, I know, I know, sorry, I'm trying to read this too fast. And I know, quote unquote, Roger is as well. Should I be quiet and reserved or bombastic? I love the fact that this guy used bombastic. I really do. It's such an underused word. Uh, You're meeting your boyfriend's parents for the first time and this is how he's coming out. What do I think you should do? I, well, here's my answer to that. I think it depends on exactly how gay you are. I mean, are you, I, on the, the modern family scale, are you Mitchell or are you Cameron? That's, I, don't laugh at me. Don't laugh at me. That's really a good way of asking this. Because if you're a Mitchell, be a Mitchell. If you're a Cameron, be a Cameron. If you, if you are flamboyantly gay, and this isn't just meeting your fucking boyfriend's parents, okay? This is in life. If that's who you are, be who you are. If Roger, in this situation, we're going with the name Roger, because he did put it in quotes. In this situation, if Roger loves you because you're a Mitchell, then you need to be a Mitchell. If he loves you because you are a Cameron, then you need to be a Cameron. You don't change who the fuck you are for anybody. Not your boyfriend's parents, not your boyfriend. Nobody. So go in there and be who you are. If you are that quiet and reserved, 
then, you know, sit back, chill, relax. Yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. But if you are the Cameron, if you are loud and bombastic, and if you are bubbly, and then be that. Because you, you're going in there to support the man you love. And you need to be the person that he fell in love with to stand by his side. Best of luck to you. That's all I can say. Be yourself. Best of luck. Stand by your man. I, I didn't mean to go Tammy Wynette there, but I guess that kind of went, you know, that way. Now, as we're coming to the end of this week's episode, the NASCAR Truck Series Championship took place last night, and Zane Smith, who just two years ago won the Rookie of the Year award, has won the Camping World Truck Series title. I, I believe I had picked Zane Smith on one of two occasions, either when I did my preseason predictions or just on this last episode of Tarrant Sports when I talked about the championship. It was one of those two. Uh, it's been a, Since I got back from vacation, it has been a hell of a week. It has been what in the hell is going on all over the place. So congratulations to Zane Smith. The Xfinity race and the Cup race have yet to occur as of the recording of this. We will, of course, cover that on Tarrant Sports, and I'll probably talk about it next week. Excuse me, on this show. Yeah, that, with it, that by the way, was a Coors Banquet. That's what you heard coming back up, because I drink a real beer. It took me a long time to realize how much I loved Coors Banquet, but damn, I do love it. Also, by the way, today... And more we're going to cover on Tarant Sports. Yeah, I'm doing a crossover on the show, but what the fuck? I can because it's my show. I can do what I want on this damn show. Earlier today, WWE presented Crown Jewel in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia. We're going to do a more in-depth look at this on Tarant Sports. But just to cover the, the basics, Roman Reigns defeats Logan Paul. Thank you, God. Now, I never thought I'd say that. That Roman Reigns won a match, but thank you, God. Uh, Damage Control wins back the WWE Women's Tag Team Championships. Brock Lesnar defeats Bobby Lashley, and then Lashley turns heel. I think that was supposed to be a heel turn. It's so difficult to tell with him. Uh, and, of course, the last woman standing match between Bianca and Belair. Bianca, Belair, and Bailey. One of the absolute dumbest finishes I've ever seen. So fucking overused in the modern era. Uh, when she ties Bailey, it doesn't tie her. She sandwiches her into a ladder and then sticks the ladder underneath the bottom turnbuckle so Bailey can't get out. It's a bullshit excuse of a way to end a last man or last woman standing match. It's overused and all it does is make Belair look weak. So we're going to be covering that more in depth on Tarant Sports later in this coming week. But hey, like I said, it's my show. I'll talk about whatever the hell I want. So. That is really all we have for this week, folks. I just want to thank you for joining me again. You don't have to go through a Terryless weekend. We will be back next weekend. And folks, remember, your rights are not a gift from the government. They are absolute. And the moment we allow the government to abridge even just a little bit of our rights, they become privileges. A right is absolute and untouchable. A privilege can be taken away at any time. America, until we get together next time, have a great Terry Wilkerson Show is a production of 1975 Podcast Productions, a division of 1028 Media. Go to www.terrywilkerson.com for more information. 
The Terry Wilkerson Show can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor.fm, Amazon Music, and wherever you download your fine podcast content. Please like, share, subscribe, and if you're on a platform where you can do so, give us a five-star rating. That's all for this time, and until next time, have a great day.